You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. The text for this message is from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, which says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew and Matthew and Thomas and James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus and Simon the Zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Now here's Pastor Joe Marlin. I just want to thank you guys and the many ways you've come alongside us. You know, a, few, a, a couple years ago, we were able to have a retreat at the White's house. Um, before that, we were able to, to spend time at the Lowe's house. It's kind of a theme, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> come up and enjoy these beautiful homes. And your hospitality, your support, support over the years has been massive. And we want to thank you for that. It has been a fruitful season in Gloucester City, but it's also been a very jarring season. We started off 2020, January 2nd, I'm going to visit the the woman that was the first woman we baptized, the first woman that was converted. And in fact, it was it was a funny story because she was in the trailer park and she had an ankle bracelet and we had a Bible study across the, the street from her at the uh, sales office of the trailer park. And she didn't want to come. She wasn't feeling me, and she wasn't feeling the message. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I would just joke with her and say, like, you got nowhere to go. You, you literally cannot leave this park. You can't even go to ShopRite. So come on out and be with some adults. You know what I'm saying? Talk and, and, and you know, a relationship built up over time. And um, we had the privilege of baptizing her. God saved her from a life of prostitution and drug use. You know, we say those crazy prayers like that prostitutes would become Sunday school teachers. That happened. That's like 100% what she did. And she loved our kids. But on January 2nd, she suddenly died. And it was, it was jarring. <laughs> it, was really, it was really hard. Um, you know, we have experienced so many funerals. We, we are in a kind of a hotbed of meth and heroin use and, and mental illness where we minister. Um, yet God is moving. God is moving. I was supposed to br- bring a brother with me today. He couldn't because he's got these twin babies and they got colds, but, but, uh, he is a brother. He, 
he got saved a couple months ago. We're sitting in the bathroom, and he's a plumber, and he's like leaning over fixing my toilet, and I'm sitting on, you know, the edge of the shower, you know what I'm saying? And he's like, well, I've been thinking about it, and I guess I'll become a Christian. <laughs> and this guy, I wish he was here, you could meet him, but this guy, he was into pagan, Norse paganism, Odinism, um, which is maybe something you, 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 you have a hard time believing is even a thing, but it's actually a really big thing. In prison, it's a really big thing among people who are poor and white and have rejected the mainstream, have rejected and feel left out by the culture and are looking for identity and looking for power and looking for meaning. And God has changed this guy's life in such a radical way where we have a guy who we had to help clear out his debts with the mob coming down to church planner trainings in Maryland and praying out loud in front of a bunch of church planners. Like, I just need you to hear, like, God is at work. Two Sundays ago, we had 120 people gathered around the risen Lord on a Sunday. A couple years before that, we were in our living room with seven people. So we didn't do the core group thing that you're supposed to do and like we just kind of went out there and started sharing the gospel and and man it's been hard by the way that's not the way to do it but <laughs> but um we, we could have used the help and you know but god was our help god has been good and and also you guys there is no way that i could be full-time doing this work without you guys just period so thank you for those who individually families that support us and for this church which also supports us thank you what's happening in Gloucester City is what this passage is about see God is reorienting our lives God is bringing about a new regime a new way of doing things and we see in this passage we see in verses 14 to 15 we see that God gives a new calling he, he calls these guys that have been hanging around with him, these disciples, he's going to call 12 of them apostles, messengers, his representatives. And then we see later in the passage, we see that Jesus is going to give these apostles, and in some cases, new names. So not just getting a new calling, but they're getting new names. And then we can infer from this crazy motley crew that Jesus intends to build this new family of people who don't look alike, of people who don't think alike, who don't vote alike, and yet they're all kind of following Jesus as people that have to submit to what he says. He's the boss, and they're relearning how to live as his disciples. First, I want to spend some time, and most of the time, on this idea, that last part, of new family. New family. Look at the people that Jesus pulls together. You know, you've got Levi and you've got Simon. You, you've got the, the, Simon would be the guy that would have the, 
Now, I'm talking about Simon the Zealot. Simon would be the guy that would have the red Make Israel Great Again hat on. Definitely. Simon the Zealot means that he was like, we... We aren't just like going to have a protest in front of, you know, Rome's municipal building. We're not going to do like a, you know, a camp out. A, a, no, we will violently overthrow the Romans. We need to get rid of these oppressors. This is our land that God gave us. And then you've got Levi who's like collecting taxes for... <laughs> that Roman government, you know? So we think we are polarized here in America, but, but um, let's just say people have been polarized for a long time, and Jesus' disciples came from very different backgrounds. Um, and yet, they had a new identity together. Who Jesus chooses indicates how he wants to come into this world, how he is represented. You know, all colors, all classes, all backgrounds, with humility, with people that sometimes people don't even like is the people he chose. Last year, we had the Army-Navy game, and Vice President Mike Pence came down 95 and, you know, to watch the game down in South Philly. And what happens when a vice president comes and watches a game or comes and speaks or a president or anybody like that? Well, I'll tell you what happens. Just change your plans. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're not getting on the highway. It's going to be shut out for a long time. Take some mass transit. Uh, you know, what happens is they're going to block that whole highway in one direction. Also, they're going to block all the ramps. They're going to have S black SUVs, like a whole fleet of black SUVs, because you're not going to know which one the vice president's in. Now, in our town... Um, you know, GPS took me to Des Moines this morning. The only thing about Camp Hill that I wish, I wish I had more confusing ramps and highways. It was like, <laughs> it was like the spirit was telling my GPS that I was made for Des Moines. You know, I got to drive through there. I'm like, I can relate to this place. But like, but like we've got this, you know, blue collar Irish town and it, where we minister, and there's this, um, there's this guy that has one of those old milk cars, um, those vans that um, the lettering is completely faded out, and the motor in it sounds like a lawnmower, you know. And there are rust holes big enough in the van you can put your fist through, right? And somehow, somehow it moves. <laughs> you know what I mean? It goes up and down the street. And, um, you know, when Jesus came at the end of his life into Jerusalem, he came riding on a donkey. Not on some war horse, not on a Clydesdale. Not incognito in a fleet of black SUVs shutting down the entire highway, but he was with us. 
you know. And he would have came with his disciples, his apostles, and we know this by the kind of men he chose, and they would be hanging on the back, holding on with their hands in those little rust holes and hanging on the wheel well as the van drove down through the blocks. Jesus came humbly, and he picked humble men. He picked humble men. And, he, and he, he, he sought these people out intentionally. And I want you to know this morning that he chose you and he didn't make a mistake. See, he called them to be with them. They could learn to preach and they would have power over darkness. This is the thing. Jesus was all about not, not expanding his kingdom just through enforcement, but through love and through spiritual power. Jesus wasn't like we can be sometimes. He wasn't drunk with political and cultural capital. He didn't need celebrities on his team. Like, I thank God as individual people that we have celebrities who are Christian and they care about their faith and they're serious. But our temptation is just to kind of pimp them out, isn't it? Put a, put a screen, you know, put a camera in front of their face and be like, we'll use their coolness and we'll use like all the power they have and all the interest that people have in listening to them. And, and now we ourselves, our, our social capital kind of goes up a little, a little more. And yet Jesus just didn't care about any of that. He just didn't. And you can tell by the people he chose. Mostly fishermen. Mostly guys with calluses on their hands. Humble guys who knew how to get done what he asked them to do. And knew that they had to learn from him. They hadn't had it all figured out. Jesus knew where real power came from. And that's why we see in verse 12 that he went up the mountain. We read in Matthew that, that, that he actually goes up and he prays all night. He knew... That real power came in seeking God in prayer. See, we have to go up the mountain to really wrap our heads around the valley. You know what I'm saying? We have to go up the mountain to wrap our heads around the valley. See, God made you to walk through the valley, but it's a path you go through, not your final destination. And, and sometimes we get that confused. <laughs> Like I was telling a brother just, just a few moments ago, my wife finally has this problem she's had for like five or six years of anemia figured out. And she is like six years younger, and it's amazing. And I was telling, I was telling him, I said, you know, like, we, we do get something in this life. <laughs> Sometimes we get a little preview of how good it can be. But we are passing through the valley. We are passing through dark times. We are passing through hard times. But if you don't ever climb up the mountain, you will not get a lay of the land. You will not get to see where you're going. Let me, let me try to make this, you know, Camp Hill. All right? Jesus is not a cosigner 
I mean, Jesus is a cosigner. He absolutely is a cosigner of appropriate self-care. You hear what I'm saying? Jesus calls you to have margins in your life. And even though he had the fullness of the Spirit, his body had limits. You know, God is limitless. Amen? God is limitless. You are not. You know, and if you're going, going, going and not stopping, not getting up on the mountain and taking care of everybody else, you know what? You're sinning. You're not just sinning like against God and you're not just sinning against yourself, but you are going to break down way before you should and you're sinning against the people that you actually are here to care for because you're doing it at the wrong speed. You know, Jesus moved his body. He got up and he made his way up the hills, and he would have walked through the Lebanon cedar trees, which are really cool. You can look them up, and he, he, he breathed in God's good air. Like, he got out of the valley. I, we lived for five years in Africa. I can tell you, like, it's tough in the valley. I can imagine what it was like 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. Jesus would constantly be in these homes with low ceilings and dirt floors, with people who were drinking too much, with people who came up pressing against him with their needs, always sick, always someone else with a demon, always someone else who wants to be taught. You're the teacher. You're the prophet. You're the miracle worker. Eh, worker. And it's like, this wasn't a one-time thing. We read throughout the Gospels that Jesus had a habit of moving his body, being out, hiking up those hills, and spending time he needed alone. I want to say to you, especially mom of young kids, like sometimes you don't need just like an attitude adjustment. You need help so you can take a break. Right? Sometimes it's not just that you need to repent and just try harder. But you literally, you need to stop. You need to not be needed every single second. And you need to go somewhere that's going to refresh you and rejuvenate you. I need to say this to the, the pastor, the, the core team guy, the, 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 the person, the man or woman who's just maxed out their credit card having coffee with people trying to, trying to share Jesus. Like, like Jesus needs you to slow it down. <laughs> you know, I, I love you guys, but, you know, you might not make a history-shaping decision in your life. You might. You might, though. You know, me um, and, and Brother Casey, we're part of a denomination. There's a church in Boston called Park Street. And they just started collecting in the neighborhood some money with their kids now you can imagine just some church in the city, they come around with the envelopes, and you know what? It just grew, and it grew, and it grew, and now there's World Vision, which is the largest NGO in the world. 
it's just like, you might, but I will say this. You will make decisions that are world-shaping for those around you, for your kids, for your community, and it may shape their eternity. So I'm asking you, has there ever been something that you had to decide that was worth spending the night praying on the mountain? And I can talk real direct with my people in Gloucester. Um, and because I'm just visiting here, I'm going to take that license. You know, <laughs> I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> so they might not ask me to preach for like uh, three years. It's all good. But like if you've never had to make a decision that you've had to pray for hours about, maybe all night about, like all I got to say is God wants you to have bigger dreams. He does. Jesus went up the mountain. He was going to choose these 12 men that were going to represent him in the world. Were his followers. You know, who your kids marry, where they go after they're with you. There are so many huge decisions in your life that you ought to soak in prayer. Not just so that you can breathe and walk through the woods and do whatever rejuvenates you. That's part of it. But this is also like you need to lean on God for huge decisions in your life. And you need to make huge decisions in your life. You need to, to try things out that could fail, that are God-sized. You, you might think right now, I'd, as Jesus is picking this family, that he would pick a bunch of people, right, who are good influences on each other and all that stuff. And that's important. That's another sermon. But Jesus deliberately picked rough people who were lost to spend time with them. I love John Wesley. I, you know, he would talk about, well, we'll just make a man preach. They'll teach them how to do it. You know, there's some traditions that are like, you have it or you don't. I don't believe in that at all. I don't believe that at all. You know, we can make, we can, we can, we can teach someone to pray. We, we can teach someone to serve. We can teach someone to lead. Jesus chose you to follow him and be family with some crazy folks. In my church, that's really visible and dramatic. You know, we have people who, um, are homeschooling their kids, they were homeschooled, or they were in Christian elementary school, Christian middle school, Christian high school, and then they went to Christian college. Sitting next to people who smell like weed, right, who um, have been kidnapped, who have, you know, been in jail, who have had so many difficult experiences in life, and they're, they're, they're brothers and sisters, and Jesus wants us to embrace each other, no matter what our background is. We have something to learn from each other. From the person who, who get an anxiety attack about having a parking ticket to the person who is laughing as the cops are beating down the door. <laughs> like we are all, God is calling people together. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
who are not all exactly alike and have had all the same experiences in life. It's not just a club for people who have certain proclivity. Jesus is out recruiting people. And if you're going to be a church, it doesn't matter where you are. And I, I, like it, it's not like anyone is exempt to this. If you are going to be a church on mission and be his messenger, you are recruiting people that nobody thinks would want to spend their Sunday morning listening to a sweaty guy in a jacket preach the gospel, right? Like, that's what you do. That's, that's what kind of people we are. Because Jesus called those kind of people so long ago and so he calls them apostles and we don't have time to go into like capital a apostle lower a apostle all that stuff but we also are messengers and he also calls us you know and we are staking our lives on the message of these these men and their stories you know, because Jesus didn't write the Bible with his hand. But it was his followers that gave an account of his life. And we are trusting and we are banking on their testimony with our lives and with our souls. And what is that message? That, th- that this new family goes out into the world and proclaims. It's that God is not done with the world. See, you don't just need hope. You need courage. You don't need just the right message. You need the right heart. You, don't, you need some steel in your bones because people will look at you funny and ignore you when you tell them, look, God wants you to be new. He wants you to repent. He wants you to not do the things you were doing before. And Jesus promises, right, you'll be persecuted and you've got to embrace it. He doesn't just call us in this new way to proclaim this gospel. He doesn't just call us into this new family, but he calls us and he gives us new names. You know, you see these these brothers, they're called the sons of thunder. And then he calls this other guy, the rock. You know what I mean? It sounds like Jesus is like basically starting like the original WWF. That's what it sounds like to me, like... You know, no, Jesus knew that his disciples were going to need courage. And I think that's what's missing a lot of times from our, from our churches. We talk about hope. We act like there's nothing we can do and we're just waiting. We talk, we talk a lot about doctrine, which like, you know, I'll light up my lightsaber. I'm reformed like you. You know what I mean? I know the I bleed Bible. But, but, like, we lack courage to actually do it, to actually speak up, to actually go out there and befriend someone no one wants to be friends with and love them and share the gospel with them. You know, he knew you'd need courage. And he gives you this new name, which is a new identity. You know, I, f- I found this really helpful. There's this this um, list that's been compiled by this Australian, Neil Anderson, who I am in Christ. And I'm going to invite you to close your eyes. And I'm going to invite you, like, Jesus gives you a new identity and a new calling and a new name. And I'm just going to read. These are all from Scripture. 
I have a few if you're the type of person that's like, I really want this, I know myself, I'm not gonna look it up online. I, I have some copies, but if you have the, uh, the discipline, you can just look it up online. Who Am I in Christ? By Neil Anderson. Jesus calls you in these ways. He's, this is who you are. You are a child of God. You're a disciple, a friend of Jesus. You've been justified. You are united with the Lord. You are one in the spirit with him. You have been bought with a high price, and you belong to God. You are a member of Christ's body. You have been chosen by God and adopted as his children. You have been redeemed and forgiven of all your sins. You are complete in Christ. You have direct access to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ. You are free from condemnation. You are assured that God works for your good in all circumstances. You have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. You have been hidden with Christ in God. You are confident that God will complete the good work he started in you. You are a citizen of heaven. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. You are born of God, and the evil one cannot touch you. You are a branch of Jesus Christ, the true vine, and the channel of his life. You have been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. You are God's temple. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are seated with Jesus in the heavenly realms. You are God's workmanship. You may approach God with freedom and confidence, and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let me pray. Father God, thank you that we have this new name that you give us, that you give us this new identity. You give us this new family. Lord, we get some crazy brothers and sisters and some cousins um, and all that. And yet you've called us to love each other. And you've given us this new calling to preach your word, to push back the darkness around us. I pray you'd give us the courage to be a part of your new creation work in this region, throughout the world, whether it be that hard conversation with a neighbor who's about to have an abortion, whether that be that hard conversation with a coworker whose marriage is falling apart. It could look like a million things. We know what's right. Give us the courage to say it and give us the love to say it, full of compassion. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.